if you were to engage a historical insurance company to engaging a a uh, responsive predictive insurance company the engagement is the same the enrollment it's the same thing it's it's okay. uh, uh, historical it's the way it's always done the difference is going to be that we would probably be more digital maybe like an ipad as opposed to a piece of paper and then the other thing is we might have a blood chemistry that would give the knowledge back to the person whereas the other one had no knowledge at all it was just a name in a database welcome to another thrilling episode of the dirt where we dig deep into the mechanics of growing and selling businesses i'm your host jim barnish but before we dive in i want to take a moment to thank our sponsor orchid black if you are a growth stage business they are the partners you need when it comes to driving strategic exits and creating tangible enterprise value in your business. Today, we have a CEO who is a trailblazer in the healthcare industry that is changing the way we think about health insurance. We will be discussing the future of healthcare, how healthcare industry economics are evolving, and how to take advantage of economic downturns when other folks think it's crazy to make a move. Now, if you find value in today's episode, which I'm sure you will, I will invite you to share this episode with someone you believe needs to hear this. Whether they are a budding entrepreneur, a healthcare professional, or simply someone interested in the fusion of healthcare and technology, this episode is sure to enlighten and inspire. Okay, Doug, say hello to everyone. Hello, hello. I'm Doug Short. Awesome, awesome. Well, typically on this show, we have... Founders, CEOs who've been driving the bus for five or 10 or maybe 20 years. Well, uh, Benicomp's been around a lot longer than that. So share with us the origins of Benicomp and, you know, what's kept you grinding? Well, we're, we're a company that this last year in, in, uh, 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 2022, we turned 60. And, uh, yeah, I've been here for 40. And uh, started with, with my dad. <clears throat> and um, so the healthcare industry or the insurance industry has gone through a lot of change. Of course, you think of many industries that have gone through change. What, what I believe today is that uh, the industry is ripe for revolution, ripe for uh, change. And I'll use examples of other industries that have been a part of change. One would be Amazon. That would be the retail space. SpaceX, you know, the way to reland rockets and reuse them again. Um, uh, Netflix. I remember when we would buy all of our um, movies by a videotape. And matter of fact, I remember when it was either beta or VHS. So you even had yeah. those two, those two media, and n- none of that's true today. It's got a whole new medium. Uh, and, and Uber, you know, I, I remember when it came out. So all of those are industries that were changed. Healthcare is, although the largest, probably the single largest of all of them combined, I would guess, uh, because healthcare is one sixth of the gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we stand the chance to be a part of that revolution. And I'm excited to do that. That's, that's very cool. So what, um, what is it about um, the big players in healthcare or the general, you know, healthcare landscape, if you will, that that 
they're doing wrong today? Well, the first thing is it's 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 probably not uh, wrong. It might be wrong today. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is it's the way it's been done. And mm-hmm. I think about uh, my example would be Sears did it the way it was always done for years. And, you know, Walmart was revolutionary against Sears at a point where they actually said, I'll put my stores in rural markets as opposed to the cities. And mm-hmm. Sears was very focused on the cities. Well, then Amazon came in and said, I'll do it digitally. It's just this is where it needs to be. And uh, that revolutionized the whole space. And so what I'm trying to say is for years, um, the way healthcare was delivered, it's not healthcare, it's more sickness care. In other words, the industry was built to take care of you when you had a an illness and you would wait until you got sick. You would then want somebody to, the term is diagnose and prescribe. They, you would go in for a diagnosis. Something's wrong with me, doc. Uh, what mm-hmm. can you do? And then the doc would prescribe what to be done. And the world that we're moving into is a world of predict and prevent, which is so much less expensive. And it is so much better for you than a waiting on something to manifest itself. And then we go in and, and diagnose and prescribe the the industry of the past is needing to get to the industry of the future. The thing is, there are uh, economic uh, wrestles. Uh, the the healthcare companies of the past they are built economically to wait on a claim to occur and then to reimburse for the claim that occurred. Um, they need to get to the other side, but they, they're going to be very slow or hard to move because they are defending an economic space. Mm-hmm. I think of the way a hospital would, <coughs> would see you where you are a series of people with a series of things to be diagnosed and then treated. A hospital, if you get to the new world, they would need to look at you predictively or preventively ways to control something that may not have even happened yet, uh, but right. it would be a dynamic for you. So that is the big difference between the past and the future. Um, it's just the big fish that you're describing. Again, Sears was one of those in retail, but the big fish that you're describing in the healthcare, they're defending a space. Uh, Sears was defending a brick and mortar, defending a business model, defending a platform. And by the way, Sears, as an example, oddly enough, they would have been the first Amazon. They had the catalog, the, the Sears they catalog. Did, I remember. They, yeah. They had, <laughs> they had all that, but really their business model was to defend the brick and mortar. And uh, somebody else came in and took their catalog from them and, and made it digital. And oh my goodness, it, it, I don't, Sears might not even be, I, I think they filed bankruptcy, but I think they're gone. And yeah, uh, it was and a slow rollout, but yeah. <laughs> see, it's <clears throat> that is a hundred year. I mean, that the catalog was probably around for a hundred years, and and it moved, it changed. Uh, uh, again, I think of uh, Netflix and how it's revolutionized the way we receive uh, uh, digital media. Um, it mm-hmm. used to be a tape, and I needed a machine, and. Now, and probably the revolutionary component that took place there was the internet or the Wi-Fi. 
you know, when you had bandwidth. Prior to bandwidth, you probably needed a, a, a tape, but when bandwidth was available, the whole world's going to change. And those uh, Blockbuster probably chose not to get on board because they were defending their brick and mortar. I think that's the same as healthcare. There are people who have lived in the past, which is diagnosed and prescribed, that they will wrestle with those of us who want to pioneer the future. You know, it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's kind of the reason why every decade or so, you know, 50% of the Fortune 100 turnover, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a considerable cycle that happens based on technology evolution or human evolution or however you want to look at it. But when you look at the health insurance industry and, and, and the evolution of that, what does, what does Benecomp plan to play in it? Like, are you, are you going to be one of those next fortune 100 players or is it, um, what is that? So what does that look like? Well, we are, we are very uniquely positioned. I I would say that, uh, we have invested heavily, uh, to be in this spot. But the first thing is we are a 60 year old startup. I think that's the best way to see it. Uh, we have the innovation, we have the staff, we have the the revolutionary people who want your cell phone to be an extension of your hand. It's uh, There's ways to be on that side of the space that we've invested in, but yet we have the 60-year history of financial stability. So there are people who would say, I want to invent the future of healthcare, but they don't have any uh, uh, capital behind them. They don't, mm-hmm. And in our case, we've got six decades of capital that's behind us. Uh, we, we don't possess debt. We are uh, cash flow positive. Uh, we have 60 years of business that will cash flow itself in order to move us to the future. There are companies I can see that would be one or the other, but I don't know of any that are both in the same company like we are. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So what is what is um what is that what does that look like on a on a uh, you know evolution perspective of the the ups and downs that you guys have seen over the last forty for you and but sixty for the company you know what how have you guys been able to uh, constantly evolve and and drive the industry forward? Well, I think I'm going to use any entrepreneur. I'm a serial entrepreneur, uh, and I would use other entrepreneurs that you know of, be it. Bezos to Elon Musk to uh, even um, uh, uh, Steve Jobs, you know, they uh, are constantly looking at what God has allowed them to be involved in. Bezos, it was retail and uh, uh, manufacturing is is Elon Musk and, and Jobs had technology. But somehow I've been blessed to be inside of the healthcare space. And I look at that in ways of improvement how to make it a better space. <clears throat> and then uh, as an entrepreneur, again, I think about Elon, uh, you know, taking his personal checkbook right to the wall. Uh, I understand that. Um, but I think it's difficult to bet against uh, an entrepreneur like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to find a way and they're going to make that car come alive or they're going to make that rocket land. Uh, and, and we're in that spot We're <clears throat> we're in, uh, uh, an industry that is needing changed. 
we ha- we're in an environment. I think of <coughs> the years that that uh, we are in now is a is years that really the Amazons, the Teslas, the Netflix, the Ubers, they have. I mean, there there are a lot of models out there that have gone out and revolutionized a, a static historical industry. We're not we're not paving that road, <clears throat> um, but we are in uh, what would be one sixth of the gross domestic product. We are in probably the largest industry in America. I would I would mm-hmm. even think, I, and I don't know the answer, but SpaceX, Amazon. Uber, I, I would guess healthcare surpasses all of them combined. Uh, healthcare is another mortgage payment for everybody's, you know, it's, it's just that expensive. Um, the other thing about healthcare that is different from all of those others, healthcare trends forward. It has a mathematical rate of increase that people tolerate. Uh, you would never allow your utility bills to go up at 14% per year. Every year. And in healthcare, you probably think you won the lottery if it only went up 14%. Um, but every, every year you're anticipating its price increase. And, and really, trend should be stable or go backwards. What I'm saying is if you became a healthier person, more, more personally conscious of your healthcare, of your per- personal needs next year should be an extension of this year. It should get better. And the following year should get better yet, mm-hmm. but we do not have the resources or the tools in front of you to give you knowledge. What we are trying to do is give you a drug and uh, a diagnose and prescribe knowledge would be, this is your metabolic uh, uh, journey. This is what your body would want. This is how you digest fruits and vegetables different from somebody else. Mm-hmm. This is your best health. Now, uh, there is a, a defining point in here. And I think this is an interesting uh, 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 topic because it has relevance to things that we've seen in history. You know, like <clears throat> we had a, a Christmas party years ago at uh, where the Cord Duesenberg cars were made, uh, the factory. And, you know, they had front wheel drive back in the 20s, but we migrated away from that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what moved us back was an economic facet, and it was called the oil embargo. So mm. oil went skyrocketing and we couldn't get it and and we needed a more efficient car and we went back to that technology my point is uh we have known for years how to lead a healthier life what we have done is we've given over our knowledge to our respect to the physicians and we've said you just treat us and give us a pill. And uh, that knowledge was traded for that that pill, if you will, that 
you know, diagnose and prescribe. <clears throat> and inside of that, to get back to where we were, the, the predict and prevent is dramatically cheaper and it's better. So the defining point, what I'm trying to cast here is probably COVID. Uh, so inside of that worldwide pandemic, you've never seen something like that in your lifetime. You may never see it again. Inside of that worldwide pandemic, those who were healthier going into that survived. And those who had comorbidities or challenges or their respiratory system was compromised before COVID, they struggled. And uh, that dynamic moved its way to not something that I can just give you a pill for, but something that really we should have if we were stronger going into it, we navigated it. And if we were weaker going into it personally, um, some of us did. So, so in, in what ways is uh, Benecomp ensuring that insurance is not just about a payment of a claim and we're not, you know, the, the unhealthy beings that, um, you know, that, that, um, the, the model has, has in some cases driven us to be. And how does, how does that redefine the traditional insurance model that you guys are, are driving towards? Well, the first thing is we're, I believe we're the only insurance company in the country that is, ha currently has a license to make your deductible different based on lifestyle factors, whether mm. you smoke or your body mass is, is out of a range. Uh, lifestyle factors are determined, are uh, uh, actually a category that's defined by the government. And it would be body mass, cholesterol, blood pressure, glucose, and smoking. And all five of those factors are driven by you and your uh, uh, personal uh, lifestyle. So smoking is not something that is thrust upon you. Smoking is a choice that you've made. Um, right. And actually the foods that you eat is a choice that you make. So you have the ability to control those factors. What we've done is we built the first insurance policy in the country that allows your deductible to be different from a non-smoker to a smoker. And, hmm. and, and it's built the policy around that. Now, the point is that that has to do with what's called chronic illness and chronic disease. Those are lifestyle-related illnesses and lifestyle-related disease. In today's world, critical illness is also able now to be predicted and prevented. So one of the things that Benicomp's bringing our model together with the chronic the lifestyle uh, predictions and preventions and linking it with the critical predictions and preventions where you mm -hmm. are actually allowed in today's market to get in front of cancer uh, or metabolic syndrome or even diabetes, where we know if you're pre-diabetic and we can keep you from becoming an insulin-dependent diabetic. But cancer, if we stayed on cancer, for example, there are ways in today's technology that cancer can be predicted when it's at the cellular level, not when it's at stage three and it's a lump on the side of your neck. Mm -hmm. But if you can predict the cancer is started 
we can react to that. We can prevent it. And then most of those cancers move their way into a category that we might even be able to cure because of early detection. Now, hmm. clearly, if it gets out of control, it metastasizes it, it's now a golf ball on the side of your neck. We've got another issue. Now we're into radiation and we're just trying to stabilize the last years of your life. <clears throat> we now, in today's world, we have the technology that allows us to be predictive and, and uh, uh, preventive on the chronic illness, which would be the lifestyle, but we can also be predictive on critical illness, which would be cancer or diabetes or metabolic panels or things like that. So bringing those together, that is a revolutionary product. Again, like SpaceX's rocket right. saying it can land itself or, or uh, uh, Tesla's car that's saying it can drive itself. That's a revolutionary product that has not been seen in America. And we right now hold the license to do that. <clears throat> So when you look at um, this evolution or revolution or whatever we, whatever we want to call it, and, and you, me you mentioned Amazon earlier, and if Amazon has been successful in, in implementing the fintech retail or e-commerce um, in how they revolutionized first the shopping cart, then how people shop all together, how does, how does Benacomp plan to become the fintech of healthcare, if you will? Mm -hmm. And actually, the, the category is health tech. So fintech is that financial service and health tech is the other side. So uh, there are ways to be uh, uh, predictive. One would be that in using a blood chemistry on a participant, we can give knowledge of the person's uh, exact panel back to that person so that the person can understand what their body actually needs. They might need more potassium than, than the next person. They might need more vegetables than, hmm. than proteins. They might need more proteins than, than vegetables. It's everybody's a different thing. And it's, and it's in the past, I don't criticize the past because we didn't have the technology that we do today, but in the past, it was like one size fits all. I think of the food pyramid, you know, the food pyramid may not be relevant to you. It may be, you know, one of those commonplace thoughts, but it's, and at the time we didn't have the ability to be personalized. Mm -hmm. uh, so in today's world with technology, with the health tech technology, we have the ability to make your health plan relevant to you and your health plan knows uh, that your age, your gender, your uh, metabolic disposition, your, uh, like in my case, I, uh, I did a study recently <clears throat> that had to do with uh, uh, glycemic index and um, uh, actually bananas and oranges were two of the, of the fruit items that they would spike my uh, glucose. So that's easy for me to move away from oranges or bananas. It's easy for me to find a different alternative to that and keep that under control. That's knowledge. That is the best pharmaceutical I could ever give you is how it relates to you. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what the future holds. Now, if you think about uh, the, when we call it health tech, there's the tech side. So when you think about the tech side, you got to realize that the, the watch that you're wearing is a, a, 
a fitness tracker or a sleep tracker or the ability to know if your your cadence or your rhythms are off based on your sleep histories. You're, I, I'm a computer major and a business major, double major. But inside of my computer major, my phone, my cell phone has greater technology in it than the computer lab that I studied in when I got, I did my thesis. The, your cell phone has so much technology in it that it can receive that data from your watch, receive the data from the amount of water I take in is, is coffee benefiting me or not is, um, water. Am I taking, am I hydrating enough? What is my sleep? All of those things are, uh, to, to my benefit. So, uh, that's, that's where the technology then wants to link with the healthcare. So walk me through, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a new customer, right. Um, or, you know, um, my business, me, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it, how would you, how would you bring me on as a new customer? And, and what does that, what does that process look like? Uh, a, a new customer, here you go. a new customer, uh, that would come in and in health insurance, one of the things that's very unique about health insurance, very unique is uh, it's normally driven, if you think about it, to the employer group. And the employer group is a cohesive population. Uh, right. It would be like like if I had the ability to, to sell <coughs> to a, a Sunday school class or a church group, you know, that's a cohesive group. Uh, really, the, the most stable cohesive, cohesive groups in America right now are the employer groups, the place where you work. So that's how it's sold. It's purchased as a employee benefit. So it's, it's collected to the employer. There is a, a patriarch. We'll call it a visionary inside of the company that the visionary would say, I want you and your health. I want your future more than I want your present. I want to, I want to have a tomorrow with you as opposed to, I just want to pay the bill of today. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of like putting insulation in your house as opposed to just paying today's electric bill. Sure. Uh, so the employer, that's how it's, it's engaged. It historically goes into the employer and the employer makes a decision and the employer is saying, I'm, I'm going to choose tomorrow. Uh, and tomorrow has to do with, I want a product that is predict and prevent more than it's react and, and prescribe. Right. Uh, so the employer makes that choice. And then we start engaging each of the employees inside of that employer group, uh, which by the way, it's, it's interesting. The employer's never allowed to know this data. Uh, that's a that's a violation of federal law. So uh, to make things personal it has to be very independent and separated uh, uh, where the employer, it's invisible to the employer. They just are buying into that that new method. They're saying, I, I want you to have all the knowledge that you can have so that you can make a, a better decision about you. That's different than saying, just tell me what the charge is and I'll pay the bill. Mm -hmm. So I, I Jim Barnish, Orchid Black, you know, decide to um, bring on uh, Benicomp as part of my package. 
um, once I've made that decision, what does that, what does that process look like in terms of the way that you onboard employees versus the way that it typically would work for, you know, more traditional insurance? Well, the first thing is it is typical. It is all the same uh, from if you were to engage a historical insurance company to engaging a, a uh, responsive predictive insurance company, the engagement is the same. The enrollment, it's the same thing. It's, it's uh, uh, historical. It's the way it's always done. The difference is going to be that we would probably be more digital, maybe like an iPad as opposed to a piece of paper. And then the other thing is we might have a blood chemistry that would give the knowledge back to the person, whereas the other one had no knowledge at all. It was just a name in a database. Right. So as we would engage the person and get more information about that person that we can then coach and and uh, react back to the person, you need the health plan to be individualized as opposed to being one size fits all. One size fits all is not true. It is, you know, and if you pause for a second, um, the technology that existed before the iPhone was technology that was the best technology we had before Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi might have been the launch point of everything to do with the iPhone. It, it was, the technology was there. We could integrate things. We could make it faster. We could make the phone something that you wouldn't walk out of the house without. Hmm. Uh, you might leave your keys in, in the house, but you're not leaving your phone in the house. That's a revolutionary change. And what I'm saying is healthcare has been one size fits all, and it's not. It, it never was, but the technology we had mandated that. That's right. the only thing you could have done. In today's world, I can be more responsive. I can, the, the data coming off of your watch uh, can give you knowledge as to whether you are uh, uh, stressed or you, you should be taking a day off as opposed to continuing to push so hard. Got it. So you guys have, have been building towards this vision for quite a while, right? Um, made a lot of progress, um, both you and your dad. We've got, you know, we've got other, um, other folks who listen in that have family businesses of their own where they may have taken it over, um, from, uh, from their, from their dad, they may have taken it over from their uncle, or maybe they, maybe they bought it from a previous family-owned business, right? Um, yep. So, you know, as, as you guys are thinking about um, how you've been able to weather a lot of storms, a lot of economic downturns, um, you know, a lot of minor shifts in the industry and, and some major ones as well, what what do you really, you know, kind of hang your hat on as, as an example or two of, of how you've weathered those storms and um, and and what's really been able to drive Benicomp towards success? Well, the first thing, my dad passed away 20 years ago and he retired 35 years ago. So, uh, but I can tell you that my dad believed in me and that was so refreshing. Uh, and I can also tell you that me and my dad were not, we, I don't want to say we were opposite, but we did things differently. I'm a computer major, so I wanted technology. I wanted my dad liked uh, penmanship, <clears throat> and um, so yeah, we we were different people. But he believed in me, and with that said, 
<clears throat> my dad gave me the financial foundation that allowed me to build upon. And then uh, the business is uh, in all 50 states now. We've got our operations center in Indiana and our executive offices are in Tampa. <clears throat> so um, it's it's just a different company than it was then. But really, my dad gave me the foundation and the belief, the, the impetus to be where, where we're at. But where we're at is just in a revolutionary space. Uh, I would also tell you that that revolution of where we're at, again, it may have a lot to do with dynamics in the marketplace. I think of, uh, well, COVID, a worldwide pandemic that really affected us all. But those who were more health conscious going in weathered that storm. I think of right now the work at home. It never was. You never had work at home as dramatic back then as it is today. Uh, even that has the ability for you to be more personal conscious as opposed to. Yeah, there's there's things in today's marketplace that are colliding in the same way that uh, I think Stephen Jobs saw that Wi-Fi was going to connect or 4G or 3G or 2G, whatever it was at the time, was going to come online and actually give his device appeal because you can now have the internet coming across the, the 2G signal. Um, <clears throat> he, he saw that. What we see is the marketplace, one-sixth of the GDP, which is healthcare, the marketplace of the past needs to get to the future mm -hmm. and the future has to do with you being individualized, not being one size fits all the uh, nutritional pyramid of the past was a image that I remember seeing in grade school and high school. And today it might be a metabolic panel that has your name on it. And it says, this is you, this is what makes you tick. This is what's best for you. This is how many hours of sleep you need. Uh, I think I think that and the technology is there to embrace that. The thing that's amazing is that is remarkably cheaper than the past. Mm -hmm. So and the and right now it's at a breakneck cost. Uh, so the world needs not a lower cost, it needs an answer. It needs a solution. It's, it's different than just saying, give me another Band-Aid. Uh, it's saying, I need this question answered. How do I maintain my health to the best of my, that's best for me? Uh, and how do I take personal responsibility with that? <clears throat> I think that, oh, I just thought of one. You know, back in the day, you used to get your airplane tickets from a travel agent or then Expedia came in. And uh, I mean, today it's, I mean, your boarding pass is on your phone. Uh, yeah. the, the ability to travel actually got better. Uh, the ability to uh, move, I think my wife does it routinely because it's easy. That's what you need to have with healthcare. It needs to be personalized, it needs to be to you. It needs to be easy. It needs to be just part of your day. And this is how you function. That's where that's what Benecomp is inventing. And that's what we've taken our 60 year history and linked it to the, the, the technology of the future. 
and and we're bringing those pieces together. So let's take let's take the thirty five years that you've been at the helm. Have there been any um, you know over the course of that you know long long tenure? Have there been any strategic shifts or or pivots that you've had to make as a as a leader um, in, throughout that time? Absolutely. You know the the first thing I would tell you is if you were to go back twenty years, just twenty years, the number of changes that have taken place in, in 07 or 08, the housing market crashed right after that, the banking finance sector crashed. Um, <clears throat> before that would have been what they called the dot-com bubble <clears throat> and the, the whole economic underpinning of society was in that dot-com bubble. Uh, clearly you've had a number of things that would be uh, big economic moments, Bernie Madoff, my things like that would be economic moments of the past 20 years. But the reason I went to 20 is it's 2010 that was Obamacare, the ACA. Mm -hmm. It's 2004 that would have been uh, HIPAA, no, or 2007. <clears throat> uh, so my, my point is these big federal laws, HIPAA, GINA, FMLA, COBRA, those are all in this 20 year window of right. trying to change things. And we've had them before. Um, Black Friday was, you know, a big economic event, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But in this 20 year span, there's been revolutionary change. Uh, uh, I've mentioned HIPAA, GINA, FMLA, but then the ACA is a, a big change in, in the last year, you've had the change of abortion rules where it was universal across the country. And now it's state by state, which changes the universality of it, which might have uh, a core underpinning to the way the ACA works or Obamacare works. All that yeah. I'm trying to say is that every one of these seasons of my career has had its dilemma. I think the biggest ones that are right at present day would be COVID, uh, uh, woke culture. Uh, it would be work at home. Oh, you know, all of those things, or even what we're doing now, a Zoom or a Skype meeting, uh, mm -hmm. that was on the cusp, but not revolutionary. Uh, what revolutionized it would have been a dynamic in the marketplace. And that would have been COVID. So, we're in the so same, take any we're in the one same. of those, take, take any one of those. How, how has that um, led to any evolution of Benicomp? Like how, what, what decisions that have you had to make internally based on some of those market pivots? Well, one of the things I did is uh, about 10 years ago, I hired uh, a genius that, uh, uh, has it has more of a technology degree uh, that could move our historical company into a technology future. Uh, it could link those parts. I kind of saw that the world was moving into that. Again, you got to think about uh, Amazon was saying, you know, Amazon's big revolution might have been the shopping cart and and how they created a shopping experience digitally. So um, I moved the company into that that path. That was a that was a, a 
a benchmark, a stake in the ground saying we're going to move forward. And I, I can tell you, I've been here. The company is 60 years old. I've been here for 40. And another thing would have been big is I had decided that retirement was not my option. Hmm. So sunsetting the company would have been easy. What every other company in America that's lasted for 50 years and the the owner has been here for decades and I've mm-hmm. had my kids and we've got our grandkids. Yeah, sunsetting would have been a natural dynamic. But uh, the belief that I can make a difference, the belief that I can do something significant with my my foundation of the past and my knowledge of the future and then bring the right parties together. That that's my belief. And that's why I turned and pivoted and said, we're going to, we're going to be the, the lightning rod that brings the past, the foundations of insurance and link it to the future. What's been, um, what's been your toughest business decision to date? Um, like, is it, there's there one that really stands out that was just a really tough decision-making process that you had to walk through? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there, there was a time where I, uh, was making foundational decisions that believed that the insurance world of regulation which uh, insurance regulation is more to the state level and it's more inside of the Department of Labor and ERISA. And my belief was there's a way to be inside of that world, but to embrace the future. And I I definitely had employees who wanted me to divorce the past world and get completely over to the future. And, uh, you know, leadership needs to be able to say, no, this is how we're going to do it. And that would have divided the company uh, a time or two. I think of churches that go through that and they, you know, the leader needs to shepherd and guide through those ups and downs and, and make a decision. And, and, um, I think the decisions that I've made clearly, I, I own the place. So I have the right to make that decision. I have the right to go whichever direction I want to go, but I think they've been for the better. And, uh, they, they've been the decisions that some didn't agree with, but, but we're, we're, we're seeing right now that we're on the right trail. So when people don't, um, maybe agree initially with the decision that you make, yeah, how do, how do you get buy-in from the team? Or do you have a, a, a process that you, that you go about as you make decisions and try to get that buy-in? No, I, you, you can't. I don't believe, and I, I believe that my tenure, uh, I've been here for 40 years, I believe that our company is evidence of the fact that we are not dictatorial. Uh, but with that all said, I am very patriarchal. So the Ability to be the patriarch and lead is an important factor, but I have to lead um, in in the group as opposed to being dictatorial from the mandate of the front. You understand? I, I don't want to be on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a group group decision making can can be toxic. There's got to be someone that makes the hard calls. But the question is more around um, getting getting buy-in, right? You still 
you know, you want to have people bought into decisions that are made, whether they're the ones that make them or not, because, you know, it motivates them to, to drive the business forward based on those decisions. Right. So is, do you, is there anything that, that you, uh, any process or method that you use? And it's okay if not, just, just curious there to, is. Uh, to drive buy-in. Well, and, and I like to coin, I, I call it, uh, a Bible verse, but in fact, it's not. So I'm evidencing it in advance. But uh, the Bible verse I, I would tell them is for God so loved the world that he didn't send a committee. Um, hmm. well, and and I, I believe in that, you know, there there is a patriarchal leader. And but on the same token, I don't want to be dictatorial. And um, right. I think it's evidence that I'm not dictatorial from the fact that I actually have uh, enough humility that there's. Uh, someone else who I've installed as the president of the company. And uh, I have, in fact, hired the uh, computer geniuses that um, I'm not. Mm. Uh, and I've, uh, yeah, I, I need to find ways to defer to them because of their, their intelligence, their prowess. But uh, I clearly have the right to override them. Uh, I own the stock. Uh, yeah. I am the CEO. I have that right, but it, it's going to be a short-lived thing if you do that too often. Right, right. Um, all right. Last question before we hop into um, the uh, the founder five today. So, is there is there an instance while we're on this whole topic of decision making where people might have doubted your ideas or called you crazy or? you know, uh, thought that maybe, uh, you know, your vision was too big, anything along those lines. And and if so, how, how were you able to turn some of that uh, skepticism into innovation and, uh, and success results? Yeah. You know, uh, the first, first thing is there's a, uh, again, the Bible would say that you need to believe uh, and have faith and then you you will see, and you know that society uses phrases like "seeing is believing." Uh, essentially, it's backwards. Now, I've wrestled with saying that I I believe that we should be innovative on prediction and prevention, uh, when others would say just stay the course and then sell the right. company, and um, that some of those people didn't stay within the company. Uh, they have the right to move on or I can help them find a, a place where they would be better served. But <clears throat> in the path that I am on, uh, I want to be innovative. I want to be creative. I want to be, I want to be a beacon of health as opposed to a bastion of economics. Uh, and by Ooh, the way, I okay. believe that if I, if my, my intentions are proper and I am for your betterment. Uh, I think my economics will align with that really well. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, all right. So closing us off on the founder five, five quick hit questions around you and your growth and your company's growth. Um, first one is number one metric or KPI, uh, that you are relentlessly focused on as a leader. Patient, and client experience. It's got to be the easy button. It's got to be uh, where if they want to connect, it's easy to connect. 
I do not want there to be a struggle with our employers um, doing business with us. And what what's the uh, KPI by which you measure that? Uh, the there's many, but uh, the the reduction in in phone call volume. Uh, we need the ability for our clients to feel personal as opposed to <clears throat> a number. Uh, mm-hmm. We need the ability for for our uh, people when they when they contact us that they get the right people, uh, mm-hmm. maybe right up uh, first time out of the gate, as opposed to navigating through a uh, call log. Uh, so those are those are KPIs that we look at all the time. That's awesome. All right, uh, next one. Top tip for growth stage executives like yourself um a vision uh i think it's difficult to move by committee i think it's uh important to have the buy the collective buy-in so i need their counsel if you will they're all counselors but yeah i think someone's got to have a vision i think they're again god's for god so loved the world he didn't send a committee there's got to be someone that leads the charge. Yep. All right. Favorite book or podcast that's helped you to grow as a founder or as a CEO? Well, the the tipping point is one that uh, I believe that there are moments, and I, I've mentioned that COVID might have been a tipping point for us to get from the past to the future. I think that's a big thing. Right now, there's a book that we're doing called Outlive, and it has to do with the healthcare of the future and the healthcare of the future has so much to do with you personally, as opposed to the food pyramid that is blanketed collectively. It has more to do with embracing technology that's around you, like your watch, your phone, your sleep. Uh, There's ways to do all that as opposed to um, uh, just seeing things in a, in the way it's always been done, which is the universal way. And so what's the book called? Outlive. Outlive. And who, who, who is that by? You know, I can't remember the author uh, okay. out of my head, but Outlive, it's a, it's a, it's a big book, but it's, it's really revolutionary on being um, proactive with what healthcare means to you, as mm-hmm. opposed to seeing yourself as a collective. Uh, it's like health, health insurance is being sold to the employer has in the past been sold as a collective. Everybody's one size fits all. The fear always is that, you know, your race or gender or age, you know, we've got to have neutrality in all that. But um, there are factors that are driven by you, your smoking habits, your sleep habits, your eating habits. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are things that you can be personally involved in. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that I really like about that book. Awesome. All right, next one. Piece of advice that counters what would be considered traditional wisdom. Uh, it, it's marrying a couple of these things together, and it's going to be, uh, you've got to have a vision. But that vision, like right now, I think what we have done is we've looked at healthcare, and we didn't know this but I think the tipping point, the thing that we were, we didn't know to expect was there would be a worldwide pandemic. And really those who were more 
health conscious going into the pandemic, they weathered that storm. They were personally going to be either affected or they navigated it. Um, that was something where we were prepared. We were preaching a message and the dynamic happened. Uh, I think that's, that's been something we didn't know of. We didn't even know how a pandemic would have been in our lifetimes, yours and mine. We may not have seen something as robust as that, but, uh, when it happened, the message we had been casting was reality at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one here. What is going to be the title of your autobiography? The title would be I Survived. <laughs> Love um, it. It, ha it has to do with the fact that uh, there is a navigation that we make. There is an ebbing and a flowing. There is a, um, again, in, in those 20 years, you think of <clears throat> the ACA, you think of HIPAA, GINA, FMLA, you think of um, portability rules. I think of uh, even the banking crisis. I think of the housing crisis. There's got to be 20 events that took place in there. Any one of those has crippled or killed many employers. Hmm. Uh, so the ability to stay the course, the ability to, to ebb and flow, the ability to navigate through each of those is what puts us where we're at. And where yeah. we're at then is a byproduct of all those decisions that we've made to navigate through, you know, HIPAA, GINA and ACA and we're, we're in a, we've, we have proven that we can make those, those choices. And I, I, survived. I survived. I survived. I survived. All right. Um, to, uh, to close us off here, you've given a ton to our listeners here today, Doug. So I always allow for a little bit of self-promotion at the end. How, how can those listening help you out? Well, the, that's interesting. Um, have not thought of that. The probably the the biggest reflection is the movement to the future uh, is not is not uh, something that that should always be resisted. Uh, I'll use a <clears throat> um, development. You know, the the city wants to put a subdivision in, and really being a part of the mindset of what the future looks like. You can help guide that, but standing in front of the of the plow and resisting it, you know, may not be the answer, but guiding it and being with it, there's reasons for it. So getting to mm -hmm. the healthcare of the future, <clears throat> there are people who are going to defend the space that they have historically enjoyed profits from. And, uh, uh, and we want to say that there's ways to that we can all be involved in the future. And I would love them to be on board, like being on board, seeing Amazon before Amazon was what it is, seeing Netflix before it was, seeing that a rocket could actually land and relaunch. Um, all of those were entrepreneurs. All of those were pioneers. All of those were people who believed in a vision and uh, were willing to go down that trail with or without public support. But uh, that's that's where we're at right now. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, check out Doug and his team, Benacomp.com. Doug, what's the uh, 
what's the best place for people to get in touch with you? Benicom.com. Uh, you'll find, you'll find our, uh, uh, contacts and our executive overviews on the website. Excellent. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us on the dirt, Doug, you are, uh, an incredible founder or CEO that's taken over from an incredible founder. So keep up the great vision. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thank you all for joining me and Doug today. Thanks. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.